What do a mummy, a chainsaw, and a balloon animal have in common? They're all here as we take one more turn with Secret of Evermore. One more turn. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jim. And this week with the game playing uh, Secret of Evermore, I've been thinking a lot of thinking a lot about sequels and spiritual successors. And I'm always kind of curious about how sequels are named in in gaming. You know, we kind of have this system set up where the the sequel has nothing to do with the previous iteration most of the time. You know, like Grand Theft Auto V has nothing to do with Grand Theft Auto Four. Yet, well, they hang on. Hang on. Well, when you say sequels and spiritual successors, like what what difference? What's the difference that you have in mind? Sequel is just a numbered sequel. You know, in my opinion, if you go from four to five, that's a sequel. Uh, spiritual successor is taking the is the, is the difference between System Shock and Bioshock. You know, uh, made by the same people. Perhaps they've lost the rights to the original, so now they're creating something similar in a different universe. It's so like working like working along uh, the same themes or the same like overarching either ob- objectives via like storytelling objectives or like this some of the same gameplay mechanics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you know, I've been playing. Uh, I really like sort of the Zeno the Zeno games and Zeno Saga and Zeno Blade are very different than Zeno Gears in terms of the world and and but they yeah they deal with the same themes and they deal with the same you know, uh, uh, processes and, and kind of the same ideas. But because probably, you know, uh, uh, the director lost the rights to Square, to Xenogears, he's, or, and later to Namco, he's had to kind of just put this Xeno in front of everything to kind of say, hey, this is, this is going to deal with these spiritual, you know, these themes of spirituality and technology, but it's not the same universe. I just have to you know, wink, wink to the audience. I just have to put Zeno in front of it in order to let you know what I'm, what I'm doing as the director. Okay, yeah. So that people will know that if they enjoyed something previously, if they enjoyed their Zeno Gears, if they enjoyed their Zeno Saga, yeah. that they will that they will at least be interested in this, um, rather than if it had like a completely different title, like like for example, um, like if let's say like an Uncharted game, for example, like if an Uncharted game. Uh, just didn't have Uncharted, like in- Uncharted in it. Oh, you're talking about even, the Last like, of Us. <laughs> yes, actually, that's exactly kind of what I'm get what I'm getting at. But even though, like, the Last of Us um, has a, like a much a much more grim and much more gruesome kind of morality and storyline to it, that it's you will still be able to kind of make the jump from one to the other uh, without having without, without having much like concern or like much risk that you'd be buying a game that. That you didn't really, that you won't really enjoy. Actually, I just had an interesting thought of: is it, is it like a, is it like having, is playing a game from a developer that you like? Is that, is that similar to buying like an album from a, a new album from a band that you like? That they may be trying something new, but they're still kind of the same people that you've enjoyed in the past, and so you've enjoyed their creative works. Yeah, that's why I think it should be. That's why I think it's just something that's just so unique to gaming is that the creators of the work are, in many ways really unknown to the mass public or even the gaming public oh sure yeah there's there's a there's a handful of superstars like your your warren specters and your your cliff Blazinski's, but but few and far between you're right so they have to create that 
some sort of you know uh, uh, key key in the title to let to key in on the, the the buyer like hey this was a game that was like this other game before uh I, you know like it, for example people will go see a Christopher Nolan movie well most people will go see a Christopher Nolan movie <laughs> because okay. Christopher Nolan you know is that on the title people will go see a Brad Pitt movie because Brad Pitt is starring in it they sort of trust the brand of those people if you know I hate to bring them down to a brand but that's kind of what they become with their stardom and with their previous works or previous talents in gaming you know yeah you have like a very few you have a cliff blazinski you have a war inspector but even them that you know people they're even i would say they're not as recognizable in that way so what happens is, is they yeah so you have to you have to as a marketer you have to as the publisher to sell it you can't put cliff blazinski presents gears of war you have to put you know, Gears of War colon Judgment or, or right. you know, Call of Duty, Black Ops. Or sure, Call and there's, of, only, you know. there's only a couple of people that can get away with that, which is ultimately like Sid Meier or uh, American McGee to a lesser extent. Yeah. Because uh, with Sid Meier, you just know, oh, you're going to be getting, like, you're probably going to be getting, like, a Civilization game. Or yeah. in that one rare instance of Sid Meier's Sim Golf that was a team-up between Sid Meier and Will Wright, uh, you're not getting a Civilization game. Admittedly, it's actually a really enjoyable game if you yeah. can go find it somewhere. I've never heard of that. Sim Golf. I like it. You cre- create your own courses and create a, like, create your own. I'm hoping you can create your own clubs. Please tell me I can create a club out of an eagle or something. Oh, oh I thought you meant like golf, like, like country club, not like actual golf, like a golf club that's actually just an eagle on a stick. Yeah, I want to make a bronze wedge, Jim. Can I make a bronze wedge in the Sim Golf? Uh, yeah, but you have to, you have to craft it. You need a copper club already, <laughs> and you need to fuse that. You need to smelt, you need to smelt a fair amount of iron okay. first, but you have to go to a rival country club and go and raid them, or go raid their storerooms. Getting back to the sequel, this is sort of kind of silly and to me at times. Like, there's Final Fantasy 15 now. Like, they're coming out with 15. Basically, they took... Final Fantasy 13 versus or some spinoff of 13 and just said, you know what? Let's just repackage this 15. Like it, it is almost disingenuous. It's very disingenuous to me that they're like, well, we don't have 15 in the cooker. Let's just put this, let's just take something we were making anyway and just put 15 on it. And that, you know, the, these, these people will buy it. It has Final Fantasy in the title. Well, is, is that any worse than having, than having sequels of, of your of your other sequels, like Final Fantasy X two is just kind of a punchline in its title. So yeah. is, is that better? At least, at least that's the same universe. At least, like it's it, well, that's the thing. Like the 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 in that series, the main numbered series, whatever uh, you want to call the main number, all these spinoffs at least exist in the same universe. I respect that a little bit more. Trying to craft a universe and expand storylines and do different things with the same characters. Then and put kind of the same title on it. Then call something Final Fantasy 15 that has no relation to 14 or 13 or 12 or one or five, whatever it is. You know, it's 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 branding at this point. And you know, they slapped that final. Uh, I know we just did Final Fantasy. This might be Final Fantasy overkill for people. Well, no, but, but that is that is the major. Well, that, that that's one of, that's one of their their calling cards is just because they have gone so far. Uh, in their in their sequel numbers that it's now that it's it's ridiculous yeah but at the same time like because once they've already gotten so far you can't just stop right because eventually the numbering isn't necessarily 
there to kind of show, I guess to show that, that there is some relation between them all. We know there's not. The only relation is going to be like the developers will have a general idea of yeah, uh, like of the RPG system involved, although admittedly they've been making a lot of changes to it, and we'll put kind yeah. of the MMOs aside. But at the same time, it's more of like an organizational structure of that way you can easily tell, like, oh, I've played Final Fantasy eight or what have you, and I want to play a newer one. Which are the newer ones? Okay, well, here's the here's the range between them. But if I were to, like, for example, I'm really into the Shin Megami Tensei series. Um, it's not, well, it's not, again, that's not so much a series, that's a brand, because then you've got your Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Summoner, you've got your Digital Devil Saga, you've got your Nocturne, your Devil Survivor, and all these names actually sound very similar, but it gives absolutely no indication as to when they actually came out in comparison yeah. to one another. In Final Fantasy, it's, 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 or with the, the, the numbering in that, and this applies to a lot of games, like, Grand Theft Auto or, or, you know, whatever, whatever sequel has gotten up, Dragon Quest, whatever sequels have gotten up to like the, the two digits, uh, in, in sequels. It's, it's to me, I just, I think it's disingenuous. I mean, going back, let's, oh, I'll do this. In 1995, mid nineties, you know, Final Fantasy five comes out, but Square's also making Chrono Trigger. They're also making, you know, Secret of Mana. They're also making, you know, a little later Xenogears on PlayStation One. These are games that had, these are games that had a similar gameplay mechanics in that they had turn-based fighting. You know, all of those have, well, it's not Secret of Mana, but uh, you know, Chrono Cross or Chrono Trigger and Xenogears have turn-based gaming, turn-based fighting. Yet they're not using, you know, they don't call it Final Fantasy colon Xenogears <laughs> or. And so that's what I'm saying. With these later issues now, with these 13 and 14 and 15, and even going back to 11 and 12, they've kind of, with as Final Fantasy's moved into this kind of techno, kind of techno fantasy bent, why not just start over with a new series? You know, why not just try to build something from scratch? You know, why why tarnish a name that doesn't even mean the same thing that when it came out? In that respect, I think as as listeners uh who have um who have noted in our in our first episode or in our in our Final Fantasy 1 episode there was a little bit of that techno theme towards the end well yeah as i kind of mentioned as i got squashed by Warmech for the 15th time <laughs> but I, but you see what i'm saying like like chrono cross has, chrono trigger has that but nobody calls what like it, it it is a different game than final fantasy yet it uses some of the very very many of the same elements of that game what would what would you prefer in terms of like a longer a longer game series? I because and ultimately as long as the games are selling, there's gonna be they're gonna be making sequels to it or spiritual successors or what have yeah. you. Yeah. So like, are would you re- prefer that they remove the numbers unless there is like a direct association between between yeah. uh, a game and its yeah. predecessor, or would you or would you rather have like this? You know, here is the brand name and then like colon. And then we have like every one of our games is now like a Werner Herzog title. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the solution is because until some of these developers, uh, the the individual people, not the publishers, until they have kind of more name recognition, they're kind of stuck. They kind of have to add. They kind of have to put Final Fantasy on everything in order to cue into the the public when who's buying it. Hey, this is made by this type of. This was made by this group of developers. You know. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the solution is. Well, well it's interesting that that due to uh, well, due due to crowdsourcing um, mechanics or crowdsourcing sites through like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and the like, 
there is certainly a, like a closer relationship now between gamers and developers than than certainly in the past and that that may be some way to kind of bridge it but ultimately when you're looking at something with a, with a very large series that's ultimately going to be from one of the the more major players mm-hmm. who aren't going to need something like that and ultimately don't really need to have like a a, a much like closer relationship with their fans although admittedly as squaresoft kind of found that out with final fantasy 14 but yeah. for for like a larger, but for like some, you know, some of the larger companies, like I don't imagine there's going to be you know much of a difference when you're still going to have your, like what are they now? It's the 2014th iteration of Madden. We'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn. I'm Kevin. I'm Jim. This week we're taking One More Turn with Secret of Evermore. came out in October 1995. Secret of Evermore probably has one of the more interesting histories for a, a developed title, especially on the Super Nintendo. The long story short is that Square, after the success of Secret of Mana, came to a bunch of first-time developers in the U.S. and said, make the American version of this. And... What's funny is is the they couldn't use the code that Secret of Mana used. They were legally not allowed to use that. So they had to use the tools to build the game that, that Square had and create Secret of Mana from scratch and call it Secret of Evermore. I gotta admit, just 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 as a as a brief aside to start out with, I have to say that they did a pretty good like I said, they did a pretty good job considering that they had none of the code yet. I don't necessarily know like how uh, in depth, some of these tools went, but when they get the when they have like the ring system down, like oh, it's identical. Oh, it's completely identical. It's identical. And and in a in an article from uh, NintendoLife.com by uh, Corby Dillard, uh, the lead programmer for for Secret of Evermore, Brian Fedrow, he basically said that. I mean, he said Square told us to make American Secret of Mana, and, and so we did. But he also in that interview kind of dispelled some of the rumors, in that. We Americans got Secret of Evermore instead of uh, Secret of Mana Two or Secret of Mana Three. I, I, you you know how to pronounce it, I imagine. Sengetsu Densatsu. Oh, or... Densetsu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You pronounce it better than I do. Oh my god, <laughs> this is still terrible. <laughs> and he said, "No, that wasn't the case at all. It was they just didn't release three. They just wanted to try to make an American version or have an American developer too. They're kind of just experimenting uh, in the U.S. with with development." And Secret of Evermore was the result. May I may I ask what 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 does that mean in making like at this point? You know, we're talking the the mid nineties here. Like what what does that mean to make an Amer like an American version of this? Because ultimately, a lot of the a lot of like the role playing games that people have played are going we're going to be honestly mostly from Japan at that point, right? right. Between the Super Nintendo, you know, it's like the Super Nintendo or like you know before in like the NES days that. You know, SquareSoft was was the was one of the major players in that market, so I don't necessarily like what what does that well, at least what does that mean to you to to have like a a mid nineties quote American yeah game? yeah well I guess this game is the answer to that question from a lot of these developers but for me it's yeah I, I, I it's weird because Japan and their in their fantasy stuff often draws from the same well that Americans draw with their fantasy gaming which is medieval you know uh 
you know, uh, but this one, you know, Secret of Man is a great example of that. It's it has a more fairy like or, or you know, it's not so fantasy in the medieval sense. It's a Secret of Man is more fairy, uh, 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 fantasy in sort of the Disney sense. In right, that it's, it's more labyrinth based. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but American, I don't understand. Maybe there's more pizza. Maybe there's just hot dogs and pizza in it. Although Secret of Man, I didn't have hot dogs and pizza. So well, it's interesting because. I, nowadays, there is a, there is a distinct divide between what a game, what what a like an Eastern style game or like a Western developed game. They there's there's a very there's a very big gap between um, between like what that means anymore between like having like Western games are typically you now now more like open world and mm. and generally like less linear. Um, but in this case, like there there isn't that isn't there at this point. No, I, I I think this was more of a business standpoint from from Square. I think they maybe they saw the writing on the wall. Maybe they saw that how popular this console was, and they're like, "Well, we need to establish a footprint in in the U.S. because there's going to be a lot of U.S. developers soon competing with us. So if we get that footprint in there, get in the door, we'll have a leg up." Uh, I, you know, yeah, it, possibly it, because and this is also this came out uh, towards the the. The la- almost, like towards the end of the Super Nintendo life cycle, like, right. the N sixty four, I believe, was due out in like a, a like two years or so. Yeah, I think it's is it ninety six. Sorry, it's it might have been yeah ninety six or ninety. I remember I had a car, so I, it must have been ninety seven <laughs> <laughs> when I bought it. No, maybe it was ninety eight. I know, but yeah, but PlayStation's like right on the cusp. I think even there was the announcement of the Sony Nintendo console had kind of been announced in Japan, although we didn't really get that news here mm-hmm. at that but, time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I because at least what what I figured from it was that the the like the Americanization um, of of Secret of Mana was was more was more in terms of the culture of the story mm-hmm. and, and kind of the relatability of the main character because yeah uh, like honestly there's there are a few stories that are kind of like le- there are a few stories that are that are as played out as, in this country as like, a boy and his dog yeah it is it is it's not only the boy and his dog it is a boy and his dog in a small town well yeah let's let's get into that i mean that's how the story opens is you walk out your the main character has has an actual is an actual character has personality unlike secret of mana where the main character is kind of blank Right, uh, our silent protagonist type, and he's walking out of a movie theater, and some weird science experiment goes on, goes wrong, and you see some scientists kind of. I don't think you see him transported. You just see this. He's working on this giant machine, and it sort of it, a big light envelops the room, and he's sort of transported. I, if I'm yeah, there's something it happens. We don't we don't get a, a clear image of what is happening. Yeah. So 30 years later, in 1995, the the main character who is just you know you name him. So we'll just call I just call him Billy. He uh, really <laughs> Billy the kid. <laughs> he looks like a it's he looks like a Billy small town kid with his dog. It just he looked like a Billy. He in, in extension of our last of our last discussion we had in our last episode about character naming. I have to say uh, I had the adventures of Fuzzy Kitty and Fuzzy Puppy. <laughs> I just had Kevin and Bunny, so there you go. My Kevin and my name's the dog. My cat's name. Sure, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why the not? dog changes throughout the game, so why can't it secretly be a cat? <laughs> right, right. Well, funnily enough, so so Billy's walking out of the movie, and he's his with his dog. I guess dogs are allowed in movies. <laughs> I had that I had that comment written down too. <laughs> and dog sees a cat, you know, and chases after it. 
chases after the cat into the secret man into this the secret mansion we got in the in the uh, thirty years the prologue. Billy follows in, finds the same device, is magically transported into Evermore. And it's very nice that that machine was still operational after thirty years of being on. Yeah, which kind of not explained exactly, but yeah, like like it was it on? Was it just sort of on for a second when he walked in? Did the dog? I would imagine if it was like thirty years that there would be thirty years of children trying to sneak into the house that are see that have also been transported yeah. into Evermore as well. You yeah, he's sent to Evermore, and I forget he walks in and the doctor's there or the the main sort of antagonist if you want to call the it. butler the butler Robo Butler Robo Butler Robo Butler Carlton. Carl Tron. Carl Tron. Oh, that's right. Carl Tron. Carl Tron. Tron. Uh, and Carl Tron kind of sweeps you into a, a laundry chute or a garbage chute. Yep. And then you get put into some small, you know, similar techno area where you cruise around. You know, it kind of introduces you to how to walk around the world at that point. And then you find another garbage chute, and that shoots you into really the first level of the game, which is the prehistoric. Prehistoria. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, this was the the main thing that I had about this game is is how segmented the worlds were. You have Prehistoria, you have Gothica, you have Antiqua, Antiqua, which is supposed to be. I I couldn't tell if Antiqua was Greek or it was it was a lot Egyptian. Of it, it was it was Greek, it was Egyptian, it was Roman, it was a combination of all of them. Yeah, and you know, it's sort of this weird mishmash, and then the Gothica, and then finally, I forget. Omnitopia. Omnitopia. Omnitopia was where Carltron was. And the game kind of goes pretty level by level. There's no, you know, there's no nice little transition. There's a couple transitions, but they're pretty awful, like the desert. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and, but, you know, well, it's very linear. There's, I, like, yeah. I believe, I believe there, there's only, there's like one side boss um, that you can only really get to by just like flick, flicking a bunch of levers just randomly and hoping that you wind up with the with the correct one. But yeah, it is the game is is decidedly linear. There's there's no way to really go off of the beaten path. No, and and not only linear, but you don't even backtrack too often. I don't think I backtrack other than to buy a bunch. Ugh, don't get me started on the item system. But other than to buy uh, uh, certain certain items for your magic, you know, it is it is you beat you have to do everything in Prestoria. Then you go to Antigua. You have to do everything in Antigua. Then you go to, you know, Gothica, and, and it's just, it just essentially feels very repetitive in that in that sense. And right, there's well, there's a disconnect between them all. Yeah. In that, in that, basically, the it's not necessarily the world changing, even because ultimately you are all still in the same little made up world. But everything is everything is different except for you, because you still have. Like you, you always have the same like three item like weapon types in the game. Like, mm-hmm. Unlike Secret of like old like Secret of Mana, which I'll I'll try to do my best to keep the Secret of Mana comparisons <laughs> to a minimum here. Yeah, but like where Secret of Mana had like I think it was like eight different weapon types. Yeah, this one only has about three of them, and I believe you only get like one per yeah uh, one per world. Meanwhile, though, your dog the dog changes pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, like not only well, it, generally your dog will keep to like the same move set until you get to the end, but. I, I one thing that I really enjoy about this game, at least aesthetically, is how your dog changes with the world. Yeah, so like that it begins with it begins with like this giant feral wolf thing, 
then turns into a, like a greyhound, then turns into like a French poodle for Gothica, yeah. and then it turns into Toaster Dog. <laughs> toaster Dog. I like. Uh, yeah, he secretly makes you raisin bread, although he doesn't. Well, he butter shoots it. lasers. <laughs> he shoots lasers out of his eyes and has a toaster on his back. Yeah, I don't even know why he has a toaster on his back. It's just a sh- like a bazooka pops out of it, right? Oh yeah. Well, I've I've heard rumor that it may be that it may be an old Doctor Who reference. Oh okay okay. I can't. I can't say for certain, but that's yeah. what I, that's on. That's what I've heard on the rumor mill. That sounds about. That sounds about right. But yeah. But you, the main character, looks like Marty Bufly the entire time. Like he's got the long sleeve shirt with like the little puffy jacket over it and jeans. Like the orange. Yeah, the orange jacket, like orange vest. I always. I, I had a, a fry from Futurama. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Air to it that because he's the character is very dopey. Yes, because like almost like all those times of like him getting thrown into like peril after peril where he's almost dying, or in my case is often dying. (laughs) He then just kind of comes back with a quip of like, "Boy, this was a lot like this particular movie that I've that I've this horrible B movie that I've seen." This was which ultimately kind of has a little bit of a beautiful Joe vibe to (laughs) it. Yeah, this was a lot like the Pale People of Planet V or. He has one called Dirt, Sword, Sweat, and Togas, which I like that movie title a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the main character. I saluted, uh, the developments for, for make, actually making a character and not making sort of a blank, a, a blank surface for, for you to project yourself onto. But if you're going to make a character and you're going to transport him into a fantasy world, at least have him kind of be amazed by where he is. Like he's just like, he's more, He's more like excited to reference these terrible movie titles than to actually be like, "Holy cow! I just faced in a giant anaconda." Like, he's or like, <laughs> "Oh, I just took, I just like, I just hit a, I hit a raptor with a spear." Yeah, my dog is changing into a robot. Well, whatever, I'll just move on with my life. No, like, no, don't worry about him. He's just not himself. Yeah, he's just, he's just took something. He had, you know. You know how dogs get, they eat the grass and they all of a sudden their stomach hurts. You just Well you know. it's actually that's the line that they give. Like whenever they talk about the dog, you're just like, Oh, that's my that's my dog. He's just not himself. Yeah, that's a good line. I mean it's a good line, but at the same time, it's 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 so strange. I guess I, I could go into a little bit of that before we get into some of the mechanics. Well there's a lot of good there's a lot of good lines in this game. Yeah, a lot of great lines, but there's a weird disconnect between some of the uh, graphics, how kind of a lot of it, I don't want to say realistic, but the characters aren't exaggerated in their drawing in any way. They look like kind of what you would think of stereotypically something like that would look like, like the Egyptian, mm-hmm. you know, dog head things look like it. There's no, there's no, right. They look. have that, new, that Anubisan look to it. Yeah. Like exact well, picture, picture Anubis at your head. And that's what it looks like. There's no sort of, sta- there's no sort of spin on it in any of those character drawings. So like you have this kind of very, stereotypical animation and then and in some ways kind of dark it's sometimes like i felt like the the graphics are very like not brown like not call of duty brown they're but very dark yeah it's very dark and then you have this very light-hearted you know comedic story behind it it felt like a dis a weird disconnect to me or times well, kind of it's strange that there's a disconnect between not necessarily the emphasis but like where the attitude of the game lies because as you were saying that the colors and the level design, and I guess even the overarching story is pretty dark. Even the music, you know, the music is, gets kind of oh, very, creepy. very ominous. Yeah, yeah. But like, even, like the levels that, that they put you in 
Um, you know, again, just being in the jungle, you know, jungle will be kind of dark. You're in a volcano. That's also really dark. And then like the only time it gets brightened up is when you're going this endless march through the desert. Yeah. It's very bleak. Um, granted, but then like the gameplay then is just, you know, really fast paced and kind of, and very arcadey. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, but but then like the writing to it is kind of so lighthearted that there's oftentimes, I feel almost found myself kind of jumping between the different modes of it. Yeah. Yeah, I felt of like of being in constant pressure of death, not only again from the level design, but also from the game actually being like being moderately difficult. Yeah, well, like a great a great example that's that first boss where the, oh the guy from the cover of the game. Yeah, the giant spider thing that doesn't move and just sort of shoots a bunch of little little thing at you. It's a very like if you look at the style of that that thing, it's very like a dark red. It's got buggy eyes. It's not. Fantastic! It is like kind of like a scary fantastic. You know what you would what you would see out of a Elder Scrolls. Oh yeah, and it's giant. <laughs> yeah, it's giant. Like it is something that you would expect to fight at, like the end of a Chrono Trigger game. Like it's you know it's a giant boss that has multiple pieces to them that you have to hit. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like constantly spawning other enemies. Then on top of that. Yeah. Uh. Well, but but you know. Immediately after you beat him, that guy just walks from behind and is like, hey, thanks. And then there's like a little joke. And he's like, oh, it's not my dog. It's not himself. And then you go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute. This is like kind of an evil, <laughs> demon, demonic kind of creature you just faced. Maybe we should take a beat and sort of acknowledge how awful it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back on One More Turn. back to one more turn i'm kevin and i'm jim now kevin i i promised i'd keep the secret of monosimilarities to a minimum but in order to i feel like at least needs to be brought up when talking about uh the magic systems uh, between the two games because i i have a lot of fond memories of playing secret of mana however um I, I a lot of it was because i played it growing i played it when i was young and i played it with my older brother mm-hmm. because it was one of the few role-playing games that you could actually play multiplayer and unfortunately that was something that didn't hold over uh for secret of evermore you could only have one player going at the same time just yeah. due to like the dog's sniffing yeah like your dog like passively is just sniffing things out yeah well you can switch between the two even in the live part but yeah it's there's not it's one player it's a one player game right right and so but i i still kind of remember one of the most frustrating parts of secret of mana was having to like grind and level up your magic system of just oh you got a new you got undine now let's just go and just continually cast whatever ice blast on enemies to level up our undine but now in this case we now have the alchemy system mm-hmm. which, which you have to level up as well ex- yes exactly except instead of having like a passive like mo- or uh, like having a mana that you can then just refill at an inn or what have you through fairy walnuts now they re- your alchemy requires materials in order in order to cast like a given spell so like a uh, whatever whatever, like, the recipe is to cast, like, your Flash, which is just, like, a little fireball, versus Heal, which is different than Cure, which is different than Atlas Strike. <laughs> well, but dude. if you don't if you don't have the mater- the specific materials needed uh, for that given spell, you just can't use it. You then have to go and find a specific, like, an alchemy yeah. vendor, or hope you get lucky that your dog will find something. But either way, you then have different resources based on your different spells, which, if they're going to be useful, you're going to have to then level up, which then involves spending away like a lot of money on that. Yeah, and it, 
two things. Uh, first, the the, the developer uh, uh, I mentioned before, Brian, had mentioned that one of the games that influenced him was Ult- the Ultima series. And okay. in Ultima 4 and on, you have to buy... That's how you do your magic, is you have to buy specific combinations. You have to mix certain combinations of items to cast. But they don't... Oh, so it's, wa- like, it's like fusing like a Molotov cocktail on the fly? Yeah, exactly. We have to pre-make them before battle. But yeah, yeah, it's okay. exactly. Same same idea. So you, that's where a little bit of that influence comes in, of like having them actually mix something to create a spell. Uh, and the second thing was, for me, I kind of liked it. <laughs> and I liked it. No, I liked the idea. I didn't like the execution, uh, which is you actually have to build a spell rather than just be given this sort of power that you can just use willy-nilly. Because it made a little bit more sense. He's from our world, this main character, so he's not going to have the ability to have magic, and he's he's not going to gain it for what? whatever Who says? reason. It's a fantasy <laughs> world. I, I say, Jim. I say. Well, like the first, like in the first area, the the major, like the major scientist person that you come across can just make fire explode from her eyes. That's true. And she's just a regular person too. She is, but she created that fantasy world. You know, oh, she's, so she's allowed she's to give the, herself superpowers. She is the yeah, she is the despot of <laughs> of of prehistoria. So uh, she's allowed to do that. But yeah, he he. What's great is I love the, the only. I don't like the, the system in Evermore because yeah, it's like you said. You have to like find the the ingredients, go buy them. They're only usually sold at specific vendors in specific worlds. So if you need to buy. Right. You know, and I think there's a limit to how many you can hold. Maybe it's only ninety. Maybe it's only ninety nine. Maybe you can hold ninety nine. Yeah, okay. it's pretty. It's pretty large. It's pretty large. It's not. It's okay. not as. It's, it's not as restricting as the regular inventory is, where you can only carry like six mm. of an item. And then you have to, yeah, like you said, cast that spell a hundred times in order to level it up to a, a level that will actually be worthwhile in the game, like serviceable. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, the materials that that are available to you, at least um, the the quantities of them, and and how and how common they are they change based on what world you're in so like as you as you progress oh, yeah. obviously you're not going to get gunpowder probably until like until towards the end of the game but you won't get any recipes for it either but at the same time like, i found myself in situations where i didn't have the materials needed uh for the cure spell which is the the status ailment mm-hmm. and then like i get into like the second act and the first monster that's there hits you with a plague and the plague just drains you until you die unless you go to an inn or heal yourself or mm-hmm. cure yourself first. Right. Which, of course, because I just didn't have access to those resources anymore, it just meant that I died. Yeah, and they don't give you easy access until after the second world when you get the little flying machine. Uh, I think that's the end of the second world. Is that the end mm-hmm. of the third world? But they give you, I mean, they give you an upgrade version. But yeah, it's like, then you have to, so what you have to, just to get heal, you have to backtrack through the entire game all the way back to the Prehistoria town buy all the ingredients there, or, you know, maybe someone else between there has some of them, buy them all up, hopefully you have enough money to buy them all up, and then go back out and fight this boss again. But by then you've already died, so you've lost all the levels and all the leveling up you've done. <laughs> right, right. Boy, but although the way you put it, though, it just sounds like an extended version of the marketplace from the second, from the oh, second yeah. world. Oh, yeah. Where you, here's where you need to go to get these resources, but in order in order to shop there, you need to have a certain currency because each of the four worlds has its own currency. Oh, don't yeah, I oh, that was painful that scene. Well, yeah, and then you get to the <laughs> then you get to the market where so the market. If anyone's unfamiliar with this, the market in this game is it is a masterpiece of frustration 
unless that is unless that is really your thing where there are a good like i would say like 20 30 different booths mm-hmm. of people selling none various of the, things none of them marked by the way none uh, are not marked they're not very marked, well but there are visual clues like right. if someone's selling fish there'll generally be like fish skeletons on their like there'll at least be like a little yeah like, true. little depiction of them but there will be like several different people selling the same item but for different prices or for different for different quanti- or different types of items where one person could sell you beads for five for five crystals another person would sell you beads for three crystals but a bushel of rice but if you want a bushel of rice you can get it from here here or here for different prices but the rice is also used to get the golden jackal which the golden jackal can be used here and in other places there's some stalls that you can't get to in the main marketplace you have to go around this other oh goodness you just have to have a notepad and paper in that scene you know that's that's or the access to game FAQs. <laughs> yeah, or that too. Yeah. But ultimately, like, but ultimately, I don't think that any of them are really necessary. I mean, one one of them like helps you get through the desert faster. Like, you can get an, the amulet of annihilation, which you give to Sharon, the great skeleton, the skeleton boatman, to yeah. get you across. But other than that, like, the things there aren't aren't that necessary. I think I think with some of the there are some weird secret like armor and and I don't think weapons, but I think there's some. Yeah, there's some there's some pretty good like some pretty good armor, but again, like none of it's but it's, a none stri- of it's all that necessary. Yeah. It's much like the alchemy in a way that there mm-hmm. is a lot of alchemy, but ultimately, like really, only the healing spells are useful because you can just kind of just spear your way through most of the game. Yeah, this, yeah, it, I I agree. The spear is the only real weapon you want in this game until you get the bazooka at the end. But yeah, that that whole market scene is just. Gosh, it's a weird detour, too, because you're kind of going around fighting things. And I guess they probably thought, well, here's a fun mini-ish kind of game, mini-game-ish kind of thing to, to to just be sort of a different pace than the rest of the game. I mean, I'm trying to get inside the developer's head of why they would have this huge, elaborate marketplace. But no one has fun being the, the uh, at least not, not you know, 15-year-old me or, 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 you know, at the time. No one has fun being... A middle a middle manager, like a wholesaler. Like there's no there's no. Fun. Oh, that's exactly what it is. You are doing wholesaling. Yeah. And like, at that time, like, I don't remember having seen anything like that before. Like when I was first hit with it, when I rented it from Blockbuster, that like this, it was mind blowing at the time. Yeah. But yeah. Like I I remember I did actually like draw out where everything was, what the prices were, mm. because uh, specifically there were dealers that you just didn't ever want to go to because their prices were always so dang high. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's a mix. It's a change. And, and it's something that's probably not, maybe not in the console RPG side. I can, I feel like something like that probably happened on the RPG side. Cause that's, that's another, honestly, a little bit of an Ultima influence when you buy ingredients in Ultima, some of the prices are different depending on which vendor you go to. I mean, that's a little bit of a Western P- RPG thing, uh, maybe. I mean, there's a Putting little... in supply and demand into it? Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on at the time. But, yeah, th- this is console-wise, yeah, I don't think I saw anything like that. But I'm not sure I wanted to at the time. I'm like, oh, I just want to, like, slice and throw spears at stuff. I don't want to sit here and, you know, be be a distributor. Sure, know? I just want to be here. I want to play with my puppy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you sound like you liked it more than I did, so... Well, in the market, well, the, in the marketplace, like it was, it was fun at least, like running through. Again, like you know, some of the dialogue is is quite silly. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't always like yes or no. Like, would you like to? You know, I will give you a tapestry for two 
bale like for two bales of rice and uh, a jar of spice. And it's not always like yes or no. It's like yeah, like yeah, sure, or mm-hmm. no, nah, I'll think about it, or like oh, like no, that like that's ridiculous, and you just kind of storm off. Oftentimes they'll they'll give you like kind of sarcastic, like it'll be like kind of rude comments, like well, then go make way for paying customers or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do that now. You know, Assassin's Creed does that. If you don't buy anything, they're like, hey, jerk. You know, like, oh, well, maybe next time then, jerk. Like, they kind of give you a little bit of attitude if you just right. Well, I mean, even just in general, like, that part of the game, that like, that part of the game, I think, was just, it was very comical. Like, very yeah. comical. Oh, yeah. You say, like, even, like, when you first get to the marketplace, you are only there, I believe, for, I believe, 15 minutes real time, mm-hmm. which you get about working in previous banter discussions into this, <laughs> sure. uh, before you have to fight. Uh, like the the gladiator boss, which I love, like that. Just just as a quick aside, that 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 fight is introduced with you know Greek slash Roman because again it's all confused at this point. Guy like, introducing the gladiators for this fight, but he specifically gives the line of you've per- like you've purchased the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a truck rally. It's a monster truck rally. But then, but then the gladiator fight is kind of in a little monster, a tiny little monster yeah, truck. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. I like how they yeah, throw hey, fruit it's at part you. Of the Amer- it's the Americanization of Secret of Mana. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Was kind of a funny scene too because you walk out and you know you instead of the audience cheering at you, they throw fruit at you. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, you know, here's this big, you know, it's here's this big uh, description of of how horrible this gladiator vigor is and then she's like and challenging him is some loser with a stick <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know I, I i'm with you i like there was moments of pretty good comedy another cool moment of comedy was near the end when you finally meet the professor who's created evermore or created the device to create evermore we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> and you're just sitting there talking to him and your dog your toaster dog's with you and a cat runs across the screen and Toaster Dog immediately chases after him. It's just like the most non sequitur thing. Like, and well, both I mean, well, throughout the game, both characters just kind of look at it and like, yeah, okay, well, dog's chasing a cat. Well, of course, because every like every problem that occurs in that game is the result of your dog chasing a cat. Like the only reason you're in there in the first place was because that your dog chased a cat you know, into into the creepy mansion. Yeah, um, I believe like the dog, like the dog chases the cat into. Um, in like the beginning of Act Two, where you meet like the the evil, you know, where you see like the evil guy who's in charge of of Antiqua, yeah, or at least like that particular Greek area. That's like, oh, but we need to see a sign from the sacred dog. Then like the dog runs in, who's chasing a cat, or like I think even at like the very 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 end, where you try to escape with your life, you're trying to convince your dog not to chase a cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, even uh, the the how the gladiator fight scene starts is you walk into the like the forum. The Greek Forum, and the, right. you, the, you and the dog, Billy and the dog, have been separated at this point, uh, and he's met the dogs, met the Greek leader, or whatever. The dog's on the stage. You're in the crowd, and the leader's like, "Hey, who will you know, d- dog? Who will fight? Who's going to be fight? chosen by who the will sacred be dog? Chosen by the sacred dog, and it comes up to you because you know it's, it's your dog. And so that's how you get that fight. So yeah, there's that funny little plot element to it. I mean, especially, I also like a number of, like, the, the 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 Easter eggs that are in that game as well that are just, that are just so goofy. Like, there's a lot of Final Fantasy characters in it. Like, yeah. You meet, I think, like, Cecil from Final Fantasy IV in there, mm-hmm. in the arena, in the Coliseum fight. 
I believe like there there are I think like half a dozen Final Fantasy VI characters in there. Like there is yeah. like like, mo- like there is a Moogle in there. <laughs> yeah, even one of the I think the boss fight for Gothica is on a stage, which is referencing Final the Fantasy Ultros VI. Fight? Yeah, which is referencing the Ultros fight a little bit. So there is that. I wonder if they were allowed any of that code. No, <laughs> probably not. I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, and but like, and even there, like, there the pretty silly Easter eggs between. There's the uh, like, there's the um, there's the 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 doomsayer in the marketplace preaching oh, the end of days, I love and that you guy. just keep talking to him. The fourth wall gets broken so quickly. Oh yeah, he says I'm like, oh, he says like, oh, we are all just pawns to our button pressing <laughs> overlords. <laughs> he, he even like, yells out, we're all in a video game. Yeah, we're all in a video game. <laughs> if I am wrong, then may the creator so strike me down. And then you then get to choose how to strike him down. You don't have to. Do you, oh, you don't have You can just leave him? If you do nothing for like, I think it's like a minute, mm-hmm. you get like a special little armor. Oh, really? Yeah, you're supposed to do nothing. And like what he does is like, hey, thanks for not smiting me. Here's some sweet armor I found. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I know one thing that I, I saw was... If you yeah, you can turn him into a chicken, and then if you just talk to him, if you talk to the chicken a ridiculous number of times, if you just almost put like have like an auto controller and just set it on auto, eventually like this this like all caps text appears. It says like "Hey you," and your character looks around. It's like "Yes you," and then it just you explode and you get knocked down to one hit point and just says. Do not taunt the chickens. <laughs> and then it, like, leads you over to, like, one of the goats. It says, like, the goats are fine. You can taunt the goats. Just do not taunt the chickens. <laughs> what? That's a nice little... I miss that. That's a nice little non-sequitur. I wonder if it, if the other animals, if you turn them into anything, if it does anything like that. Well, I know if you turn them into a basket, I've, and if you talk to one of the people that was listening to him, one of the guys will will say like, "Man, I knew this guy was wacko, but I didn't think he'd be a basket case." Oh, oh my goodness! Oh, wow, wow, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when the comedy writing went awry. That's when they just got to the first draft of the joke and they were like, "We're done. This is <laughs> let's wipe our hands of this." Yeah, it's good to know that they hired my dad to do some of these puns. <laughs> so, uh, getting towards the end, so yeah, you go through you know each individual kind of world and the story. And I might have this a little wrong because I, I was a little confused. Is that uh, people came from your ho- hometown, which is Podunk? I like that name, Podunk. Well, it's just like a, it's like a, just a general small town. Yeah, that's like the, it's the traditional. Like, okay, we, we need the name to Pod- describe a general small town, probably in the Midwest of USA. Yeah, Podunk, USA. And so you, you, what you find is that each world was created by a member of Podunk who had also gone through the portal. And it's each world is sort of in fashioned as their utopia in a way. And what has happened is uh, Carl Tron, who you met at the beginning, he is creating evil twins of all these sort of main four people to replace them and kind of take over each of their little universes because he just wants to just take over evermore. Although it's not really clear. I wasn't clear why. I had something to do with him wanting to beat be better than the professor because well, have... it was it was a robots gaining sentience sort of thing. Where, like, yeah. Yeah, he was just meant to be like a helper robot, mm. but then like the professor got bored of, of like and wanted to play chess against him, and so kind of developed an artificial intelligence for Carlchon to play chess with him, and then this happened. Yeah, and it's kind of developed out of that. So you go through, you know, each world, and you kind of, in a sense, save. You kind of kill each of these robot evil twins, and then you get to Omnitopia, which looks. It's kind of difficult to get through. <laughs> You're armed with like bazookas and a bazooka-backed uh, 
uh, dog. And you finally, it, it does your stereotypical uh, uh, fight scenes where you have to fight all the bosses again, <laughs> but like, you know, harder versions of them in this giant tower, techno tower that you go through. And you finally get to Carlton and you beat him, which, by the way, you can beat him like cheaply. Like it's the wor- like, like you, there's a cheap way to beat him. Like you just go into the uh, upper left corner and just start shooting and he can't touch you and does no damage to you. And it's like fight is over super quick. So just real <laughs> quick. So like this is our third episode of playing one more turn. And I believe now we have taken three games where you have to go back through and fight every, like every major boss <laughs> over again. Yeah, that's a theme for all these like super Nintendo, Nintendo games is it's one of those, like it's one of those ways to extend the game, but is complete nonsense story wise that you would have to fight mm-hmm. all these things again. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how, Carltron is very busy creating duplicate versions of everything. I don't even know how he has time to, to take over the world, really. He's a robot butler. What do you expect? He's, he has he's, all the time in the world. He's, he's a robot. He's just one robot butler, though. And <laughs> you get to uh, the professor. I can't, I'm wishing his name escapes me at the moment. And he kind of says, oh, Carltron has kind of been holding me against my will. And he's kind of forced me to create these things. But anyway, you get you get through Carltron, you beat him. The professor, in a, in a moment of weakness, the professor comes up behind Carltron, turns up, switches him off, and then kind of blasts him. I don't know. There's a weird like lightning like, bolt. Just deactivates him. Yeah, deactivates him. This is where I'm really confused because Carltron and because all these worlds are sort of created by the Carltron's influence is now influencing all these utopias, and now that he has been destroyed. Because that influence, quote-unquote, is gone, the worlds are becoming destable. Right. There's no more balance anymore in the traditional, you know, in between good and evil. Well, what happens if there's no more evil? Yeah. makes no sense to me because if the point of these worlds were to be create utopias for each of these four townsfolk, why would the townsfolk have ever created an evil to fight against if they're creating their own utopias? I'm not... I, I think it's just ult- because ultimately... Uh, and Carltron just had just had his influence in from the very beginning. Yeah, like I that's so. kind of the reason why I guess just like for, just from the very start that that his that these worlds were were dependent on him. Where it's almost like it's it's yeah it's it's like the the typical like load bearing boss from like suit like for like the Metroid games and like that. Oh, when when the boss goes down, everything starts blowing up and we have to escape. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's right. But yeah, I found it kind of interesting. And then yeah, you get you finally uh, you escape, which I think you mentioned earlier. And then you get back to Podunk, and I think I forget if everyone comes with you. Yeah, everyone kind of comes with you back to Podunk. The only way to save Evermore is is for all these outside influences to leave it. So the utopias are the, the utopias are still there when when all these characters leave. Oh yeah, like everything everything yeah. like remains, and they all uh, kind of begin to function. Uh, autonomously from uh, from you know, the people that kind of created it, which in a way kind of has this like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Thirteenth Floor, where it's oh they create like this giant simulation of of a of a world, mm-hmm. but then it's like oh no, but what if our what if our world is actually another simulation? And I was kind of had that kind of vibe to it, and I kind of it kind of had me wonder like oh what if what if Secret of Evermore or like what if the game was then or that world was then a creation from some other thing going on, which actually was kind of funny, given that um, once you come back to Podunk, um, it's like wow, like 
like, God, did that really happen? Or was that just kind of a figment of my imagination? And then, like, oh, it turns out there is Secret of Evermore playing at the local movie theater. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then they show the professor again. The last, the final scene. Oh, Joe, no. He has, for some reason, recreated Carltron. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Why not just build a new robot? You're, you're a genius. Why not build a non-evil robot? And the last scene is like, Hey, Carl Tron, go fetch the mail. And he's rubbing his hands ominously and oh, yeah, kind of like, winking. Hey, Carl Tron, like, like, please don't have any more, like, you know, and don't try to, don't try any plans for world domination again. And it just, like, has this, like, evil, evil little moment. It even has, like, a the end question mark. <laughs> yeah. And we know the secret. Yeah, it's kind of the end. They didn't really make any more of these. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we can drop that question mark because, yeah, there's no, I, I still, my thoughts on this is, what was the secret? I don't understand what the secret was. That he was a robot? That they were all robots? Like, I, I the title bugs me now, thinking about the entire story, because there's no secret. It just sounds, you know, sexy to just sort of say secret of something. Well, again, it's, it's you know, that's, that's the brand that they're going for. They're going for the secret of blank. Well, I mean, that was kind of the secret, right? The secret was it was all being controlled by evil, by evil butler robot. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But it wasn't much of a secret. I mean, well, I guess, it was yeah, yeah, eventually. Yeah, I guess so. It yeah, just took right. a little. It just took a little while. I mean, yeah, eventually when you're kind of walking through like, the, the very first, like once you get to like the end of Prehistoria, and it's like, oh, there's evil twins now. I'm like that's that's kind of weird. <laughs> something, some, something is afoot here on Evermore. Yeah. I believe there might be some kind of secret you nailed it jim you nailed it I, i'm yeah. convinced now <laughs> elementary my dear kevin put secret of everything put it secret in front of every title now i'm gonna secret of super mario secret of your secret of one more turn <laughs> secret of one that's we're, na- we're renaming it we'll be right back on one more turn secret is we're all robots One more turn. I'm Kevin. I'm Jim. So, Kevin, true or false, what have you been playing lately? This week I've been playing a a little browser game called Binary Boy. What is Binary Boy, Kevin? Binary Boy is a game by Jared Johnson, a.k.a. Data Fidelity. It is a a side-scrolling browser game where basically the only mechanic is there's kind of like a dotted line in the center of the screen... And you flip up and down between this dotted line. There's no jumping. There's no running. There's no nothing except the only mechanic you have to get around the world is flipping up and down between this dotted line. And so, for example, you're walking, you're walking along this dotted line. A monster comes up, and he's walking along the top of the dotted line. You press space. You switch to the bottom. You walk under him. You press space again, and you're around him. Is this is this like a like like a dasher game like a like a bit trip runner or a uh... no? It's very slow. It's very slow. It needs to be slow because you know sometimes the mechanics are a little a little loose. Like you'll kind of like stop pushing to the right and your character will kind of float to the right a little bit. Uh, but no, it's like a, you walk. You walk every. Your your character can't even run. But are you are you like are you always pressing? Like are you always moving forward? You have no real control over that. I don't. I, you, there's no reason to go back. There's no like secret stars or special powers you get to go back to grab anything. But it's 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 based basically on this one mechanic. And the only thing I can relate it to is if you've ever played 
Super Mario Galaxy, and and there might be other platformers like this, but in Galaxy, there's like these side-scrolling parts where there's gravity rooms, and so you're shot to the top of the screen, and, and sort of you're always on the top of the screen upside down, doing a side-scroll upside down, or in, you're on the bottom of the screen doing the side-scroll right side up. Except, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing this in some of, even going back to, like, the NES days, like, there was a... Metal Storm, I think it is. I was thinking of, uh, like, Shatterhand. Shatterhand yeah. certainly had that, where you could... There were some levels where you could just hop back and forth between the ceiling and the roof. Yeah, it's like... Sorry, ceiling and the floor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's between ceiling and the roof. Actually, that's probably more appropriate, given that you were going back and forth between the lines. That's what it is. Yeah, you're going back... It's, it's You're either on the ceiling of this thing or the or the roof hanging upside down i see okay <laughs> they they play with it a little bit so the first level obviously pretty straightforward but later they add like where the dotted line is is like a water it's like a water line so you'll go under the water line and you'll walk a little slower but it's kind of cute he puts some snorkel on and, and kind of can walk underwater uh where this kind of gravity line is I, I don't know i liked it it's a little it's a little too difficult at times uh for my taste sometimes they ramp up the difficulty but it's interesting how they handled just that sort of simple mechanic of flipping your orientation specifically at, at the middle of the screen. Okay. Where uh, where can people find Binary Boy, Kevin? Datafi, D-A-T-A-F-I.org slash Binary Boy. I think that's Data Fidelity's uh, probably his personal website or developer website. But, yeah, it's a fun little, you know, if you got half an hour to burn, it's a nice little, a nice little, nice little distraction. I like it. What do you got going on? What are you playing this week? So I have been taking a look at uh, what is described as a dystopian document thriller. It's not, it's not the video game for Brazil. It is called Papers, Please. It's this, it's this, very, it's this very interesting, what I would consider to be like an empathy game, where it's, this is, this is a game that is kind of based around a person's regular life that is, be- that is at least believable. Even if it might be, like, in a historical context, it seems like, oh, this is kind of, like, a very painful job, or this is so, kind of frustrating and tedious, but it's there's a lot kind of going on to it. So it, you are chosen, uh, your name comes up in the draw uh, to be put on the border guard and the immigration inspection at a like, 1980s era... Soviet bloc country I'm called Arstatska. I'm excited about it so far. Keep going. <laughs> and it's the border the border between Arstatska mm-hmm. and a neighboring country that you have that your country has been at war with for six years has just opened. The war has ended and now the border is now the border is open. You need to process people at that border. Which there's a, there's several things kind of going on. I like, that, I like how dramatic you said that. You need to process people at this border. You, you do. <laughs> oh, you and you need to do it as quickly as quickly as possible because you get paid based on the number of people that you process, and you need to use that money uh, to support your family. And it's hard. It is hard to get enough money to feed your family and provide like heating and rent. Because if you start stop doing that, all of a sudden your family members start getting sick. So if you, but I imagine that's kind of a cool dichotomy because it it inserts sort of this. Well, how selfish do I have to be? How much do I actually have to protect the border? Right. Versus and so, feeding my family. You know? Well, and so then the game is is played as like there is this really long line that it shows you, and like someone will walk into your into your immigration control booth where they will walk up. It's like someone who's 
looks kind of, it's just kind of a silly looking or like kind of grim looking picture of someone. They'll present you with some necessary documentation and you have to check that everything matches, that everything works out. The game starts as like the border hasn't been opened yet. You start out just like, you're not allowing anyone into the country. Then it's like, oh, now we're only allowing our Stotskin people in. So people have to pre- present like an, like an Arstotska driver's license or some sort of uh, certification there. Mm-hmm. And you have to check it out to make sure that it's, that it's legit. You have like a little guidebook that says, this is what this ID is supposed to look like. And then you have to like match up like the photo with the person. Like later on, when you start getting like passports and work permits, in addition to all your other paperwork, you have to make sure all of that matches, which then takes longer. Long, taking longer means you have to process. You process fewer people, get less money. That sounds painful, Me- Jim. Meanwhile, but meanwhile, there's also like smugglers trying to like who will pay you if you let them in. There will be like spies. Other countries' criminals will be trying to get through the border, and you can choose whether to let them in or not. Um, like one of the very first levels, um, someone from the line tries to jump over the wall and throws a grenade at the guards. And so the day just stops. Yeah. They're like, oh, there was, a, there was a terrorist incident. Day stops. You're no longer allowed to process people because the, the immigration office is then closed. You have just have to take the money you earn and go back. So how does it what, is it, what does it actually look like? I'm trying to picture this game in my mind. And I'm, I'm picturing something from like, you know, 20 years ago where there's no, there's just images, there's just drawings of everything. Is there an actual like top down perspective? Is it like third Not person? Not really. Yeah. It's just like, it's a, like you have the view from the office where you see, like, you know, from behind the windows, you see the person. They kind of slip some documents underneath like underneath like the little slot there mm. and you have to like you know click and drag to take like a look at them meanwhile like off on the side you kind of have your own like your your guide books here are like all the kind of news reports of the day of like oh here's someone you might have to look out for or yeah. there is um you know reports of human trafficking so like what well, you know and then you kind of have to like all factor that in but then you have, like, a couple stamps that say, like, approved and declined. Eventually, when you start declining people, you can start, like, pointing out. You have to, like, point out where the discrepancies lie between right. the documentation and the rules that are in your guidebook. Every And also, like, ev- everything about this really fits in with the, like, 1980s era, like, Soviet bloc countries that I would imagine that this, this could be used, like, back in the 50s for anti-communist propaganda. You're describing possibly the most depressing game. I don't want. I hate to. I'm surprised you're still alive in one piece here, Jim. After playing that, that sounds. Oh, like it's, it's, terrific. it's a terrific it game. Like a it's, it's currently in beta. Mm-hmm. You can find it online at uh, ducope.com. It's D-U-K-O-P-E. It's also, um, I believe, it's current. It, it ju- I believe it got greenlit on Steam recently, so you can look it up on Steam for. So look up Papers, please. IED is courtesy of Pixel 8. That's Pixel H8 off his album And the Revolution. You can find it at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more Breakbeat Heartbeat music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. If you want to follow us or if you want to comment, you can find us on Twitter at OneMoreTurnPod. 
Facebook account is facebook.com slash one more turn, or you can email us at our Gmail account, one more turn podcast at gmail.com. Next episode, we're going to be taking one more turn with Killer Seven. Thank you.